0: Well, amen. We have a good, good Father, don't we? Heavenly Father, and just enjoy that good worship music. But as we look tonight, we're going to be looking at biblical peace tonight. Uh, we've looked at biblical living, and we've looked at biblical wisdom the last two Wednesdays. Tonight, we're going to look a little bit into biblical peace. Uh, when we lived in Hawaii for a little bit, Hawaii is a beautiful place. The Crowleys know they live there. And, but we lived there for about a year and a half, two years and we, while we were there, we experienced our very first hurricane. And I'd never been through a hurricane before. I didn't know what to expect from a hurricane other than what I've seen on TV. And I remember being pretty nervous because one of the things about a hurricane is you do have advance notice. And, and you know, I was used to earthquakes in California. You don't really have advance notice for an earthquake; It just kind of happens, and you get, you roll with it, and, and hopefully no major damage, and you move on. But with the hurricane, they kept talking about it, and we knew it was coming. And it was supposed to hit uh, really the island of Oahu head on when I was there. And where we lived and where the store was that I managed, we were right on the ocean, uh, literally there in what they call Waianae or Makaha, which uh, just right there on that side of the island. And I remember being pretty nervous about it. I had just, at that time, it was just myself, my wife. Mark was just a baby yet. And we're there, and i I started asking, there was a manager that there was a complex we managed, and there was more than one manager, and the other manager had lived there quite some time, uh, really since the end of World War II. he had lived there and was a man of of many years and a lot of experience and I remember asking him. I said, "What do I need to know? What do I need to expect? And he reassured me that the building we were in was poured concrete. Uh, one section of the building went up as high as four stories, so he says, You don't have to worry about it. If the bottom story gets flooded, you just go up, higher story, just keep going up, you know. And he said, but one of the things he told me about was that, he said, well, here's what's going to happen. He says, the hurricane is going to hit, and it's going to hit with full force. You're going to have wind, you're going to have rain, you're going to have all kinds of things, debris flying through the air. But he says, when the the eye of the hurricane comes over you, there's going to be a great peace. Everything's going to seem like it's calm. It's going to seem like the hurricane is over. But he said, it's not done yet. He says, the other side of the hurricane is going to come through, and you're going to get the same thing again. You're going to get the wind, the rain, and everything that went through there. And I just remember taking just, you know, comfort in his words, but still wondering, how's this hurricane going to go? Well, as the hurricane approached, it still hit our side of the island pretty hard, but really at the last minute, uh, it veered away from Oahu and went up towards, um, I believe, Kauai, I think is where it went, right, Carl? And I, I remember, but we still got a pretty good brunt of it where we were being right on the ocean. And I remember the waves of the from the water just coming up and pounding. Uh, we were right across the road from the ocean, and I remember the r- waves came all the way over the beach onto the road and rolled up to our building. And I remember being you know watching the water, and it would come up against the building. We had boarded the windows and stuff, but the water still was able to find its way into the into the building. And I remember thinking, okay, here we go, it's happening. But you know when that eye of the hurricane hit and everything was peaceful, it just gave you a sense of calm. And then afterwards, when it was over, of course, everything calmed down, but there was a lot of damage and different things. Power went out, stuff like that. But when I thought about that eye of the hurricane, that's how you and I can have peace in this world. When you think about it, God never promises the world's going to be all peaceful. But he does promise the believer that we can have peace in that storm if we keep our eyes focused on him, just like that eye of that hurricane. And so as we talk about the peace of God tonight, I'm not talking about world peace where all the world's gonna come together and all, everybody's gonna get along and everything's gonna go well. Um, really, the next time that'll happen is the millennial reign of Christ, to be honest. But the, as you think about it, the type of peace I'm having is you're gonna have peace through that storm. And it's hard, believe me, it's one of those things that's easier to say than it is to do. Because we can say it, we know it, and we know it's a biblical truth, but yet we don't always have that. So we're going to look at three different passages tonight, and we're going to look at three different points of having, uh, how to have biblical peace. The first one is a focused mind. And a focused mind, what, what do I mean by that? I mean, because a lot of people teach things about how you can use your, harness the power of your mind and all that kind of stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about focusing your mind on God Almighty. And if you look at, the first passage we're going to go to is Isaiah chapter 26. Isaiah chapter 26. And while you're turning there, I'm going to say a short prayer uh, before I start speaking tonight. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all you do for us. I pray, Lord, that you would just bless the message tonight. Lord, guide my words. Help me to only say what you would have said. And Lord, as I talk about your peace Lord, help us to claim that tonight. Lord, help us no matter what trial we're going through, whether it's a physical trial, an emotional trial, a spiritual trial, whatever it is, help us to claim the peace that you offer all of us in the Bible, especially us Christians. And Lord, we can do it if we'll just listen to what you have to say in your scripture. I do pray for all the prayer requests pastor mentioned. I do pray for pastor, continue to heal his lungs and encourage him. And Lord, I pray for each person in this room tonight and the needs they might have. But Lord, again, guide this message. I pray if anybody's either here or online and they don't know you as Savior, Lord, tonight they could know you if they'll just put their trust in you. We praise you now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're in Isaiah chapter 26, and we're going to start with just a couple verses out here, but we're gonna, you'll know this verse right away. Isaiah 26.3 says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, look what it says here, whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth. In thee, Do you get that? Our mind has to stay focused on God. That's what I'm talking about, having a focused mind. So you think about uh, different things uh, like um, Peter walking on the water. We often use that example. He was focused on Christ, and he was just fine when he was focused on Christ. But as soon as he took his eyes off Christ and started focusing on the storm and the water and all those kind of things, he started sinking. Um, and so having a focused mind. Then verse um, 4 says this trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. See, what most of us do in our life, we try to rely on our own strength. I mean, I just got to be honest, from most day to day, you think, okay, I can do this, I've got this, I, you know, I can handle this, and God says, no, you need me to get you through this. If you need a long-term strength, uh, if you think of uh, uh, the times when uh, the story about when uh, I believe it was Moses that was preaching and they had to hold his arms up, you know, and a, you think about that story, you know, Moses may not have thought when he started, he needed the help of those people that were holding his arms, but he found out he needed them. And you think about it when the, when his arms were held up, they were winning the victory. If his hands came down, they were losing. So, but we, we just need God's help to, to stay strong. And he says, trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. And then if you'll skip down to verse 12, it says this, Lord, thou will ordain peace for us, for thou also has wrought all of our works in us. But see, God says he will ordain peace for his people. He'll ordain it. We often think of a pastor or a minister being ordained of God to go into the, into the work. Uh, most recently in our church, we we had an ordination service for Phil Nieder before he left for Michigan to become a pastor. But ordained means he's, he's, he's that stamp of approval. They're going out. They're called of God. They're sanctified. They're, they're set apart because God's given them a special calling to do something. And so God says, he, he, he says, thou will ordain peace for us. See if, if we'll do that. So to have a focused mind. And I want to give you a biblical example here. I want you to think for a minute. You all know the story of David and Goliath. And you've you've heard it preached this right out of um 1 Samuel 17. Uh pastor's done several good messages on 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 that, on David and Goliath. But you know the story, right? But I want you to think about this. Okay, we know David was very young. Um, he had some experience as a shepherd, but definitely not at this point as a soldier. And you think about that he went to these he went to take this food that his father had told him to take to his brothers who were, who, were, who were there at the site where they were going to fight Goliath. And the Bible says, this is what it said about these experienced soldiers and the king. Um, back in 1 Samuel, it says this, Saul and all Israel were dismayed and afraid. See, these are experienced soldiers. These are guys that were already in battles and in the fight. And you see this young lad come with his food, and what he can't understand when he comes on the scene is why won't anybody step up and fight this guy? We're we're the Lord's army. Why why aren't we not fighting this guy? And it says about David there. David said a couple things. He asked, Is there not a cause? He said, in other words, there's a reason to fight. See, I never can understand a I can never understand a boxing match or a mixed martial arts fight, because I think Here's two guys that basically have no problem with each other, but they're, they're, they've got to fight each other, so they, they create tension so that they can get in a fight with one another. But, you know, David says, there's a cause here. This guy's been spewing about us and about our God, and we have a reason. There's a cause. And then he says, David asked this question of this army. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? You know what? The army was focused on two things. Goliath's size and his might. And and you remember, he challenged somebody to come out and fight him, right? But they're focused on that. You know what what David was focused on? You know what his mind was focused on the whole time? God, the Lord. See, he was smaller probably than all those other guys that were there. We know he tried to put on the king's armor. That wasn't going to work for him. He wasn't able to to, to maneuver in that, to do anything with that. So what did he choose? He chose those stones, and he chose to use that as his weapon. But, you know, I thought about the courage of David. But, see, David wasn't extra special in the courage department, as you could say. He just kept his mind focused on God. See, he had no doubt that his God could do it. You know, if you think about when you were a little child, or maybe you have little children now, they think there's nothing that mom and dad can't stand up to. You know, what they don't know is half the time when they're scared of something, you're scared of it too. <laughs> but you're just looking strong, you know, you're like, okay, I'm going I'm to be strong for the kids, you know. But you, you know, you're just as scared as they are, but they think as long as mom and dad are there, they've got this. And so that's what David thought about his heavenly father. His peace came from his heavenly father, not the fact that David thought, Man, I'm such a great, I don't know what's wrong with these guys, but I'm such a great warrior. I could take this guy down, no problem. In fact, he's kind of looking kind of short. He's not as tall as I thought he was. No, I don't think David was thinking that at all. I think David wasn't even concentrating on the size of the opponent. To David, the size of the opponent didn't matter. The size of his God mattered. Not the size of his opponent. So why could David have perfect peace on a day when he's going to go and have to? He didn't know at that point he's going to be ending up being the one that's going to fight him. But why could he have perfect peace? And, you know, remember his brothers were mocking him? They're like, oh, David, man, it's just you mouthing off again. You know, David at that, I mean, it might have been a little bit like Peter, you know, just saying it like it is. But, you know, you think about that example. David just had a focused mind that day. And really, many days after, because David became a really great warrior for the nation of Israel. And of course, we know he became king. But the reason he could become king is because he trusted God then. And he just, he just expected God to do it. He didn't have any doubt that God would do it. So what do we need? Basically, like a childlike faith that God can do it. Our Heavenly Father, the great father that that song sang about, that our father can do it. And then that will give you the peace Believe me, there was still a lot of turmoil that day. You know, I'm sure at some point in David's mind, as he went, as he found out he was the one going to battle, and he as he looked at the guy. He probably thought, "I could die today if that's God's will." But he was never he never doubted that God could do it if He wanted to do it. And so, just a, just a simple example of that. All right, let's go on to the second point tonight. Uh, Not only do we have to have a focused mind if we're going to have biblical peace, but we're going to have to have an untroubled heart. An untroubled heart. You know, let's look at that. Let's go to, this time we're going to be in John chapter 14. John chapter 14, starting in verse 22. And as we we talk about an untroubled heart, Again, what I'm talking about tonight is way easier to preach about than it is to do in real life. Um, I was thinking today, you know, this is the time of year in our school where things can get overwhelming. I mean, Saturday is May 1st. We get out of school June 3rd. We have tons of events and activities between now and June third. So you start thinking about everything that needs to go on. And in our church, you're thinking about, okay, we've got, um, you know, this Sunday we've got Teacher Appreciation Day, and then we're looking, you know, our nursery's opening back up. Our things, things are happening. We've got those new um, door hangers that Mike has us where we're praying for our neighbor. You put your name on it, you hang it on the doorknob, let them know we're praying. So lots of things going on. And I remember this morning was just starting to get overwhelmed by things. I was thinking about everything at once. You ever do that? Can't focus on one thing, so you're thinking about everything that's happening and everything that's coming up. And you know what, I, I just, in the moment of it, God just caught my attention and he said, do you trust me? You know, because I've been studying for this, so I said, do you trust me? And as, as, I, as he caught me with that, you know what I did? I immediately just went to prayer for maybe a few minutes, wasn't that long of a prayer, and I just said, God, I know there's a lot going on. I know there's a lot to be done. I know we've got a lot to do. The task is big, but you can do it. And you know what? In those few minutes, were all my problems solved? No. But was my peace restored? Yes. I went went into that prayer anxious and nervous. I came out of that prayer no longer anxious and nervous, but able to focus on my tasks I needed to do. And just refocus like that. Sometimes we get overwhelmed because we look at the big picture and God says, just trust me. Do this one first. Then trust me, do this one. And as we look at an untroubled heart, look here in John 14, you got to think of all the information Christ was given the apostles at one time. If you don't think they were overwhelmed by the amount of information and things that they were trying to understand that God was teaching them, they, were over, they, were, they had a lot going on. And it says, Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot, one of his disciples here, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Verse 23 says, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my father will love him. We will come unto him, and we make our abode with him. The next verse says, He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the father's which sent me. And he says, these things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But then it says, he starts giving them some hope here. He says, but the Comforter, again, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. We've been talking a lot about the Holy Spirit the last few weeks because of Pentecost and all those kind of things. But it says, the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, look what it says here. This is what the Holy Ghost will do for you and for me. It says, he shall teach you all things. He'll bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. He says the Holy Spirit's going to bring you this information. And then look what the next word says in verse 27. Peace. It says, peace I leave with you. He says, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You think about earthly peace versus heavenly peace. Earthly peace... If I've got all the money in my account, the first is coming up, right? So if i got all the money in my account to pay my rent, I have peace about that. I've got money to buy my groceries, I've got peace about that. If my family's healthy, I have peace about that. That's earthly peace that everybody's going to have, whether they're saved or not, if you have that, some of those needs taken care of. But biblical, biblical peace here says everything could be going wrong, but the Holy Spirit will help you, God will help you. And God says, I leave you my peace. In verse 27, he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. See, God says, I'm giving you permanent, everlasting peace, not temporary peace. See, the world offers temporary peace. But God offers everlasting peace. And he says here, in verse 27, those last words where he says, Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now again, that's easy to say and that's easy to read out of my Bible, but to take it to heart and and have an untroubled heart, remember that's what we're talking about tonight, an untroubled heart. God tells us exactly how we can have an untroubled heart. He says, I've given you the Holy Spirit, your comforter. There's a reason why in verse 26, he mentions the Holy Spirit as the comforter. Why? He's talking about the subject of peace. You need comfort when you need peace, don't you? Peace and comfort kind of go together, those two words, right? And so he says that. Then in verse 28, he says, "Um, You have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If you loved me, you would rejoice, because I said I go unto the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you, before it come to pass, that when it comes to pass, you might believe. See, he told them what was going to happen in advance. Why? So when it happened, they would remember what Jesus said, and then they would believe even more. See, your faith is built by when God answers answers stuff and when he does things that he said he's going to do. So that's that's when your faith is built up. When you pray for healing and God delivers healing, your faith is built up. When you pray to meet a financial need and God meets that, Your faith is built, and not just when it happens in your life, but when it happens in the lives of other believers. Because see, when good, you know, the Bible says, rejoice with them that rejoice, weep with them that weep, right? So if something great happens to you, guess what? It increases my faith, because God's working in your life. If God gives you peace, and I see you handle an extremely tough situation, I say, wow, if they can do it, I can have peace. If they can have peace in that, Wow, surely I can have peace in what I'm going through. You know, it's, it's, it's that simple. And then he says here, Hereafter, I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh. That's talking about Satan. And it says, he hath nothing in me. In other words, who's more powerful, God or Satan? God is. See, we forget that sometimes. Sure, does Satan have some freedom to come and wreck some havoc right now? Sure. But don't forget the story of Job. He had to ask permission to even come at Job. And God knew that Job could could do it if he'd just keep his eyes focused on God. And so um, let's look just another verse here. It says, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and the Father gave me commandment. Look what he says here. Even so I do arise and let us go hence. And he says that the world may know that I love the Father, and the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Remember what Christ was always saying? He was saying, I and the Father are one, and we all know, and Christ was an heir, and we are fellow heirs because we know Christ. So Christ basically said, what I have, you have. Because if you know me as Lord and Savior, you have the, the power. What did he say to the, to, the, to the disciples when he left? My power I'm giving to you. And so... Um, For the example there, I mentioned David and Goliath under a focused mind, but for an untroubled heart, I mentioned exactly what Mike and I have been preaching the last two weeks out of Acts chapter 2 and 3, the apostles on the day of Pentecost. What a difference you see on that, on that day of the difference between the disciples before Christ passed away and rose again and the disciples after they had seen him rise again and had seen him ascend into heaven. You see them come with power. And God gave them the Holy Ghost. And you know what? They're preaching knowing that their fate could be the same as Jesus. They're preaching with boldness. They're calling the people right to their face that they're liars and that they're murderers because they put Christ to death. And the, you know, they're not pulling any punches. They're just, they're just saying it, just straight out. And you think on the day of Pentecost... They received the Holy Spirit. They were preaching bold. And that verse we looked at last week where it talked about the wonders and signs that the apostles were able to do, not because they had special power, but because they had the power of Christ. And so to have an untroubled heart, we've got to to take all that, that to heart. Like verse 27 where it said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you, and that, that verse that he says that we all have probably memorized, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. See, we don't have to, but the thing is we have a choice. We can let it be afraid, or, we can, or Christ says we don't have to be. We can let our heart be troubled, but we don't have to. We need an untroubled heart. And then finally tonight, point number three, we, we looked at how in number one we had to have a focused mind. Point number two... We had to have an untroubled heart. Now, point number three, we have to take action. See, that's the part we don't like. We wish God would just, just give us this stuff, and we wouldn't require any action on our part. But, you know, he gives the peace, but he says, if you want my peace, you're going to have to take some action to get it. We already mentioned about having the focused mind and having an untroubled heart, and Christ puts some stipulations there about how to, to do that. For this taking action part, we're going to go into Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4. And it wasn't that long ago that we were in this, but the whole point of Philippians 4 is about peace. The first few verses of Philippians 4 talk about peace with others. The next middle verses kind of talk about peace with self. And then the last part of Philippians 4 talks about peace with circumstances. And uh, not that long ago, I preached a whole message on that. But in Philippians 4.4... most of you know this verse that says, "Rejoice in the Lord always." And again, I say, rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto men, all, unto all men. The Lord is at hand. And he says in verse six, "Be careful for nothing, or be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God." And then look what it says: If you'll do those verses ahead of time, if you'll rejoice in the Lord always if you'll let your moderation be known unto all men, if you'll be careful for nothing, but in everything you give prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, and you let your requests be made known of God, then what does it say in verse seven? And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. See, there's to get to verse seven, we have to get through the other verses. Four, five, six. So there's steps to peace. And God says, I'll give it to you, but let's go back and look just a little closer there. In verse 4, it says, again, we're to rejoice in the Lord always. That means when things are good and when things are bad. Rejoice. Do you realize you can see the, the good even in bad things? You know, one thing I know from being around Pastor long enough is he's going to choose to see the positive side of things. You know, I, 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 I don't know if I shared this with Pastor yet, but I told him one of the things, one, one of the good things that came out of him having COVID is it increased our prayer life. It increased our faith. Uh, one 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 of the good things is we had to lean on God because only God could heal him. See, there's good things that came out of him having COVID. Now, I'm sure he didn't like going through the COVID. And there had to be some deep, dark moments that he went through. But you know, through it, there are positives and there are blessings. We saw how great a God we have. And... You know, in this it says, we're to rejoice in all things. You know, I may not always have the food I want, but I've never gone hungry. Now, I've thought I've gone hungry. When I was a kid, I I thought I was hungry all the time. I'd open the fridge and I'd say, Mom, why don't we have any food in here? And my mom said, Are you blind? Look in there, there's food all in there. The problem was, it was a carrot, an apple, milk. You know, I was looking for the Twinkies. But, you know, it was never, it might not be what I wanted to eat, but I always had food. Always. And, you know, that's the truth. God's always taken care of me clothing-wise. Might always not have been the, you know, the top of the line best stuff, but always was clothed. Always had a roof over my head. Except when I went camping, and then I realized, why am I out camping? I got a roof at home, I'm going back, you know. (laughs) But why am I camping? I did enjoy camping, though. For a long time, I enjoyed it. But, you know, I, I thought about just rejoicing in the simple things we have. In all things. You know, when you're going through the trial, it's so hard sometimes, you can't focus on the good. The trial's so hard that all you can see is the walls closing in around you. All you can see is the trouble that's going to happen, but God's trying to show us stuff through that. And the best part is, when God gets us to where there's nothing we can do, he says, okay, now I can do something. I've got you out of the way, I can do something. And it's hard to get us out of the way, isn't it, sometimes, you know, again, it's like, Come on, just, you'll get out of the way and I'll take care of it. I know for me it is. It's tough. And then he mentions this about our moderation being known. That would be our forbearance, our gentleness. Let that be known to all people. And then he says, be careful or anxious for nothing. And it says, again, in everything in prayer and supplication. What does that mean? To bathe it unto God in prayer. See, one of the, one of the, one of the requirements to have peace is prayer. If you don't take it to God, you're not going to have peace about it. And when you take it to God, what do you got to do? You got to leave it there. I don't know how many times, uh, you know, when I say go to the altar, it might not be this altar. I'm talking about on my, on, on my living room, in my, you know, in my bedroom, wherever it is, I, or my office. And I go to the Lord. A lot of times I'll say, Lord, please take care of this. Please meet this need. Please help me in this area. And then as soon as I do, I take the burden and I pick it back up and take it with me. I tell God I'm leaving it with him, but secretly I'm like, yeah, God, I'm leaving it with you, but I'm taking it back. Instead of just leaving it there. Now, we, are, we should do everything we can. We should pray, pray to God, but then do everything in our power to help the problem. But let God work through it. Let God do it. And then it says, if we'll do those things, and it's, again, it says supplication with thanksgiving, we let our request be made known unto God. Then it says, and then the peace of God which passes all understanding. You know, I'm going to give, actually give the example now before I even finish the verses because as I look at the peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, the example I put for this was the stoning of Stephen. And the reason I put the stoning of Stephen, Stephen is the first really recorded New Testament martyr we have recorded in the Bible where he was put to death for his faith. He was chosen out because the Bible said he was a man full of God, full of the Spirit. He was chosen to to do a job. And the Bible said he was full of faith and power. And it says Stephen in in Acts chapter 6 and 7 is where you find the story of the stoning of Stephen. And it says Stephen was full of faith and power. He did great wonders and miracles among the people. Later in that same area and same passage, it talks about how... Even though they disagreed with him, they could not resist what he was saying because they knew what that they knew he spoke it with power. And then later it says in there about him that looked on him and he looked like he had the face of an angel. Now this is a man, okay? This isn't an angel, and they says he looks like that. And all those things that said about Stephen, but we know the story. Basically, what happened is he gets confronted by the Jewish leaders. In fact, this is where we see. Uh, Paul or Saul recorded coming, you know, coming into the picture where in that, at the stoning of Stephen, it says that, that Saul held the coats of the men or watched over those. So we, we see that, but see, Stephen gave a great sermon right there to those people that were standing there, and you know what? I have a feeling Stephen knew it was his last words. I have a feeling he knew that. So when you read this verse, in verse back in Philippians 4, 7, where it says, the peace of God which passeth all understanding. See, there's no reason Stephen should have had peace then. There's no earthly reason Stephen should have had peace. Because the, the crowd he was preaching to was not like, amen, brother, preach it to us, tell us all about it. No, they're like, we're going to kill you as soon as you're done talking. You know, that's, what, that's the crowd he's facing, a hostile crowd that does not want to hear what he has to say. And so you think about having that peace. You know how I know Stephen had peace? When they picked up rocks and started stoning him, in the middle of that, of that stoning, well actually not the middle of it, it's actually towards the very end, he says the very similar words to what Christ used when he died on the cross. He says, Father, to forgive them, don't lay this at their charge. Could you imagine saying that when somebody is pelting rocks at you and you're about to die from these rocks just, just brutally attacking your body? I don't, I don't know about you, but the first thing on my mind wouldn't say, Father, forgive them. But you know, Stephen, I believe that's a little picture of, of Stephen was so... And close with his God, that he could go through that. And God gave him a peace that passed all understanding. See, we talked about this Sunday. The worst thing for most Christians in America is we're going to have a door shut in our face or somebody's going to say, I don't want that or don't talk to me about Jesus. But here's Stephen who's getting hit with rocks and he says, Father, don't lay this to their charge. Look at it. It's in Acts 6 and 7. Take a look at it this week. There's a reason Stephen was chosen by God for the position he was chosen. Why? He was full of faith. And he had that peace that God talked about here. Let's go back to the verses then and let's look at verse 8. See, we talk about this peace and he says in verse 8, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just... Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. So God says, you don't know what to think about to bring, me pe- to bring peace in your life? Think about these things. Don't think about the problem. Don't think about all that's against you. Don't think about everything that, that you're facing. He says, dwell on these things and you'll have my peace. And then verse 9, he says... Those things which you have both learned, received, and heard, and seen in me, he says do. See, remember, remember what we called this point, number three? It was called take action. So Christ says here, those things you see, do. And then it says what? The God of peace shall be with you. See, we all would want peace. I, don't, I think if I went around the room and just asked everybody individually, I went around the room, I did, I did this... Not about peace, but the other day I was substituting in the in the um, sixth grade classroom, and I was substituting for their math class. And I'm going, and, and I'm I'm trying to get the lesson. I'm trying to show them on the board, and and then all of a sudden, different kids start. They ask, "What number were we on again?" Now we've been on this problem for three minutes. What what number are we on? We're on five B, five B, and so then then we we'll go a little further, and then. It wasn't a couple minutes later. What problem are we on? What are we doing? And I was getting so frustrated because I'm just trying to show them how to do the math, and they're trying to figure out what problem we're on. I said, no wonder we can't figure out math. We don't know what problem we're on. So I went around the room. There's probably, what, 20 kids in there? And I go to each kid. This is exactly what I did. I said, what number are we on? 5B. First kid, nobody paid much attention. Second kid, what number are we on? 5B. I went around the whole room. What number are we on? 5B. What number are we on? 5B. You know, there's a few kids got stuck. Uh, what number are we on? Ten kids, ten kids just said 5B. You don't know we're on 5B. And then I told them, I said, I, I said, I, I really love you guys, but I wanna I want to explain 5B. I don't want to spend the whole time saying what number we're on. Now, mind you, I used to be a student too. We did everything we could to distract our teacher from learning or teaching us anything. We did that as kids. We love to get a teacher talking a story. If we could get them off on a side story, oh, man, we didn't have a lesson the rest of the day. It was wonderful. But I remember I'm thinking, the last of my mind is hanging on here, guys. We're going to do 5B if it kills us. And we did get through 5B. And, you know, the kids, by the time I got to the 20th kid, you know what those kids started doing? They kind of started laughing at the silliness of it. They're like, and I was too. I'm just like, this is so silly. But I just want to make sure you all know we're on 5B. But, you know, if they're going to learn in that classroom, if I'm going to teach, I've got to be determined to teach, right? If they're going to learn, they've got to be determined to learn. And, by the way, I just used the sixth grade as an example because I was in there recently, but you could put any grade class on that. You, you know, I see them in the, in the, line, in the line, kindergarten. They could be out there in the, in the hallway lined up, and they'll be like, Oh, don't forget, you got to stay straight. No, you're not supposed to talk. No, I said don't talk. No, you're not supposed to talk. And they've got three of them tugging on their skirt or whatever, their pants, going, hey, I need this, I need that. And I'm thinking, I would lose my mind if I was in a kindergarten room all day. So God bless you guys that are with the younger kids. But, you know, do you ever think God looks at us like that? Do you ever think God looks at adults like that and just says, what is wrong with you? You know you're a Christian. You know you're saved. You know you're on your way to heaven. You've seen all these great miracles. Because what do we all do? Once we become a Christian, we look at all the early people in the Bible and we look at it and we say, Why couldn't they see he, 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 he multiplied the bread? Why couldn't they see he was God? Or, or we or, you know, or the disciples, we're hard on them. They're in the garden praying, they can't even stay awake, and we're all we're all spiritual. We're like, what's wrong with you? Stay awake. Jesus just asked you to do one thing, stay awake. I could just see, I could see Christ going, hey, hey, Peter, what did I say? Stay awake. Hey, John, what, what did I say? Stay awake. I could, see, I could just see Christ going around the disciples. I said, stay awake, you know. But, you know, the truth is they were physically exhausted. They weren't falling asleep because they were, you know, rebelling against God. They were falling asleep because they were a human being. When you get older, you know this thing, it doesn't take much for you to fall asleep, does it? I'm there. I'm trying to watch a watch a show with the grandkids. I'm starting to drift off. Grandpa, grandpa, this is the best part. Watch this part. Like I'm awake. I'm awake. I'm awake. But you know, Christ just looks at us sometimes and says, "Man, my people keep crying out to me for peace. I show them how to get peace, but then it'll last for a few seconds and it's like we have a, a, a attention deficit disorder here or something. We're like we're like, "Okay, we're focused on God, God. Okay, I can have peace. God, I can have. Oh, man, what's this shiny thing over here?" What took my mind away from God. Just think of how many things you thought of tonight during my message. Oh man, did I turn that stove off at home? Oh man, did I lock the door? What am I having for dinner? Where am I going? You know, we all have that. Our mind wanders, doesn't it? So why do you think God repeated things in the Bible? So that we, we could pay attention to it and we could apply it. And so, God, you know, just through these three different examples, we, we look at having a focused mind and untroubled heart and then taking action. You know, People all the time, they ask, and I've done this myself in my life, and they'll say, what what do I need to do to grow in my spiritual walk? You know what the main answer is everybody says, read your Bible, pray, hear preaching, you know, encourage one another, all that kind of stuff. But you know, we know what to do, but then we don't do it. You know, I'm guilty of times rushing through my devotions just so I can say I finished my devotions. Other days I'm into it. I'm Man, I can't get out of my devotions because I'm in, oh, I saw this verse and man, I'm flipping over here. But then there's other days where it just seems like your schedule's pressured and you're going, I just need to hurry up and read this. And then you you whip through your devotions and God says, what number were we on? Oh, I forgot. What number was that? It was 5B. Oh, I forgot. And I forgot it was 5B. But you know, it's what God looks at us and just says, hey, you've got to do some stuff first. In this passage, it told us what to do. It said, rejoice always. In other words, You've got to have a grateful heart. And then it's it's said that we had to go by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving and let all our requests be made known. And then he says the peace of God that passes all understanding. See, God gives us the strength to handle what we're going through today. He hasn't given you the strength to go through what you're going through tomorrow. Not yet. Why? You don't need it today. What does the Bible say? Sufficient for the, of the day is the troubles that you're in. So see, he's given you enough strength to get through today. Believe it or not, you made it. It's 8 o'clock. I don't think that much bad thing is going to happen to you between 8 and midnight. I hope not. But I mean, you've made it through today. Whatever, whatever you faced today, God helped you through it. But God says here, I'll give you the peace that passes all understanding. And he says, he'll keep our hearts and minds, it says, through Christ Jesus. Through Christ Jesus. And then he just leaves us with that in verse 9. He just left us with that. He said, These, those things which you have both learned, where did we learn stuff? Well, spending time in the Bible, spending time praying, hearing preaching. Why do we come to hear preaching? Because it's right out of the Word of God, and we hear it, and, and it just reminds us. Um, you know, I had somebody come to me wanted me, wanted me to talk to, their, to somebody in their family. And they just thought another voice would be good because they've talked to him and they don't say it, so they just wanted another voice. So I talked to the person. I I don't know if they heard me or not, but I talked to the person for them. They asked me to. I did it. But he says, what you've learned and received and heard and you've seen it in me, do and then the God of peace shall be with you. See, he's with us. We're born again. We have the power of Christ. We have access to him 24-7, but we we deny his power. We deny that he can really do it. Now, we'll say it to others, you know. I know God will get you through that. We'll say that to somebody, right? I know God can get you through that. But then when it comes to us, we'll be like, am I going to make it through this? Am I going to make it through this? And God says, yeah, you can make it too. You can have the peace. Go back to the opening story, and I'll, be cl- I'll close with this. So the hurricane that I was worried about in Hawaii, I'm worried about this hurricane. And you know, rightly so. I've got my wife upstairs. I've got my I've got my um, baby son upstairs. I've got a store where uh, at that morning of that hurricane, I have the other manager pounding on my apartment door at 5 a.m. My store didn't open till 9 o'clock in the morning. He's pounding on my door, and he says, "You better get down here and unlock your door right now, or they're going to loot and take everything we have anyway." So he says, you know, people are, go crazy in a, in a crisis. So he says, you better get down here. And I said, I don't have any employees. He said, it doesn't matter. Open the store. Let them get in here and get what they need. They need fuel. They need batteries. They need uh, flashlights. They need, uh, on his side, he sold the food items. They needed food. They needed water. They needed supplies because they knew if that hurricane hit full force, no power. No food. And so... We got down there. I think one of my employees made it in. We opened the store. I had people lined up. We had one register open. It's like you feel every time you go to Walmart. There's one register open. They're all the way to the back of the store, and, and we just kept ringing up. and We kept ringing up until 10 a.m. when it came over, the alarms came over the speakers and said it's imminent, it's hitting, and we had to lock the door. And Believe me, it was not easy to lock those doors. People didn't want to leave with what they had. We locked those doors, we barricaded ourselves, the hurricane came and went, and uh, thankfully, we're, you know, the people I was around, no loss of life, no anything like that, and remember, we were without power. So then, like 24 hours later, we're, we open our doors, and we're giving all the food away, because it's going to rot anyway. Everything that was refrigeratable, everything that was frozen, we had tried to save it, hoping the power would go on. We packed ice around it and all that stuff, and as the ice melted, we said, we got nothing left to do but give this stuff away. And we gave it away to all these people. And, you know, it was just a blessing to be able to do that, to just give it away. Now, I'll tell you, after we locked those doors at 10 a.m., that one day when we were selling stuff, I walked around and looked at the carnage that was the store. Everything was nice and neat on the shelves when we opened the doors that morning. The thing, things were all over the floor. Packages were ripped open. Things were gone. But I'm just thinking, we made it, I made it through my first hurricane. You know what? that little man, his name was Jack Perry. I'll never forget his name. That man, Jack Perry, that was managed the market side that had lived in Hawaii all those years, his wisdom gave me comfort. But it's nothing like what God's wisdom gives me comfort in my life and, and in your life. But see, God just says, the comfort's there. The peace is there. I've given the Holy Spirit. He's the great comforter. All you've got to do, all you've got to do is listen to what I'm telling you and apply it. He says, I'll give you the peace. You don't even have to, you don't have to create your own peace. I'll give it to you. But what do we got to do? Faith and trust, just like you did for salvation. Faith and trust that he can bring peace into turmoil. And then, the, then we'll be blessed. Amen? All right, well, let's close in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for all you do for us. And Lord, I hope something tonight has been an encouragement uh, through biblical peace. And Lord, you are the great, great comforter We thank you that you didn't leave us alone. You gave us the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we thankful that we have access to you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You're never tired. You're never asleep. you're uh, You're never ignoring us. Lord, you hear us when we cry out in the middle of the night. And Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for what a great God you are. And I thank you that I have peace concerning my salvation. I thank you that I have peace concerning where I'm going after I leave this world. And Lord, I pray if there's anybody in person or online that doesn't know that, that today they'll get the piece of salvation so that they can have the the other piece in their life as well. Lord, I praise you. Again, I lift up all the people that we prayed for tonight. And I just thank you for your blessings to us. Thank you for salvation. And we just praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good night and have a good evening.